podcast number 51. There's no echo this time. I'm by myself. It's a mini solo podcast where I'm going to be catching up on the recent films and TV shows I've been watching before going over the recent film and TV news. Now, before I get into that, though, there's one thing that I do want to bring up, and that is to have a quick recap, really, uh, of the YouTube side of things more than Twitch right now, um, because YouTube just let me know that this year, across all the videos, we received 45.6 thousand likes this year, uh, which was also added up to 25 million total minutes watched. I've not calculated that into hours or days, but 25 million minutes total watched this year alone just sounds like an incredibly big number, so we'll stick with the minutes. (laughs) And also this year on the YouTube channel, we picked up 2,883 new subscribers. So I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone uh, that has been uh, subscribed over on the YouTube channel uh, over the years. It has meant so much. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I also just want to say that next year, I think it's January or February of 2023, will mark the 10-year anniversary of the channel, of the very first film review. So, again, just wanted to look at some numbers. Uh, Mitch, uh, Mongo Mongo, also helped me uh, uh, break down some of those numbers. Um, Or it might have been somebody else. I may have got that name wrong. (laughs) I'll have to double-check. But uh, they looked through the playlists and worked out that the at the moment the film review list has 511 reviews in that playlist which at the moment totals nearly 600 films reviewed in total that's absolutely incredible it doesn't seem like uh, like we've reviewed that many films but it's very close now to 6 hundred films in total because some videos have like trilogy reviews in the one video um and also right now we are sitting at 37.1 thousand subscribers on the youtube channel so it really does mean so so much so thank you to everyone that that has subscribed special thank you to all of the patreons as well which help suggest these film reviews to us that help monetarily support us uh to keep doing uh, what it is that we're doing and so thank you and of course i also absolutely have to say a huge thank you to everyone that is subscribed on twitch that really does help uh it, it might seem like a small amount but it adds up and uh, it really does help keep putting uh, hot meals in front of us it keeps the lights on and it keeps us uh energized to to keep making uh, more more film reviews uh, and playing video games on Twitch and podcasting. So thank you. And again, I also want to uh, give a thank you to all of those that are YouTube members, which is the paid subscription membership on YouTube. Again, thank you guys so much. Uh, it really does help so, so much. And uh, of course, anyone that's tipped, followed, left a comment or shared the videos, it might not seem like much, but again, it goes a long way to helping make the channel grow uh, and to uh, and to keep us going. So huge thank you uh, to everyone so far because those numbers are fantastic. And uh, in next year, we're looking forward to celebrating our 10 year anniversary and uh, and then going for 10 more years at least. <laughs> thank you, everyone. 
Okay, so, to catch up. Now, over the last month, I've kind of been a bit lax in terms of what films and TV shows I've been watching. Kind of binged and watched everything that I really wanted to, so... Done a fair amount of, of gaming. And uh, one of the games that's taken uh, a majority of my time at the moment is Warhammer Darktide. Warhammer 40,000. It's from the same development team as Vermintide and Vermintide 2. And if you're unaware of what these games are, they're Left 4 Dead style games. Basically for characters of various classes and skill sets and weapons making their way from A to B. In Vermintide, you're fighting off Ratmen, the Skaven. Now, in Warhammer 40,000 Darktide, you're fighting off the uh, the forces of chaos. More specifically, Nurgle. And the plague that has rotted throughout this city. Now, Vermintide and Vermintide 2 were fantastic games. They were good games, even at launch. They had some problems, but they were good. Those problems got fixed. Darktide, however, has released, and it has been... A game that I have found myself moaning and complaining and griping the entire time. It is a multiplayer only game, and it is you know f four players versus you know waves of enemies. You know it's a bit of a looter shooter. There's not very much story, but the gameplay is fantastic. They've you know from Vermintide to this, the gameplay core has remained strong. Vermintide focused primarily on melee combat, whereas Darktide introduces, you know, bolter guns, laser guns, all that 40k tech, but it still doesn't shy away from its melee combat. It's satisfying to go from guns to, to melee and back to guns in the flow of combat. There's four different classes to choose from. They offer a variety of ways to play. It is best played with friends. However, the gameplay is all fine, but the rest of the service that is with part of that game is missing. It is lacking features, lacking polish. The game launched to a myriad of technical issues. Um, it was poorly optimized, and it's just it's missing key features that should be in the game at launch. Um, after playing it for several days, I kind of feel like. It's an early access game. We're paying full price for an early access game. And it is a bit of a shambles, in my honest opinion. Uh, there is so much that, uh, that that's worth complaining about. That uh, it, I've, I've caught myself now deciding during gameplay to just stop complaining. Because that's all I seem to do. But because the gameplay loop is so fun and playing it with friends, I don't want to bring them down even though they're kind of feeling the same way too. Uh, it's got a long way to go, so I'm optimistic for the future of Warhammer Darktide, but I'm not impressed with it, the, the state that the game launched in. So it'll be a game uh, to, to keep checking back on, uh, and I know some people in the comments have said that it's a game maybe to come back six months from now and probably get what would equate to a base game. Anyway. Wasn't the only game that kind of disappointed me uh, this last month. Uh, Callisto Protocol. It's a game that I'd been anticipating, excited for. It's from the development team of Dead Space after they got let go by EA. And I was kind of hoping that this would be the next Dead Space. And throughout my time playing it, all I could think of was that Dead Space did it better. It's like they wanted to make Dead Space, but kept going, well, if we put that in it, then it's too much Dead Space, so we'll take that out. And... 
those things worked. Those things were fun. Callisto Protocol is not... It is fun, but it doesn't... It has a lot of features in the game that make it unfun, like the combat. The combat can feel clunky, kind of like a Silent Hill downpour or uh, Condemned. Uh, the dodge mechanic system is fine, but it's not fun. It's not rewarding enough. Uh, the combat works when it's one-on-one -on -one engagements, but when you're surrounded by enemies, it's a cluster. It's an absolute mess, and you will probably die, especially on the harder difficulties, and it becomes this case of baiting out enemy spawns so you don't get surrounded. However, the graphics, the atmosphere, the animation is all top-notch. Brilliant sound design. It ticks all the boxes for what you would want in a modern survival horror, sci-fi survival horror. So I've enjoyed it more than I think many general gaming audiences would have. Uh, and I'm excited to see what they do with additional content. I just can't help but feel like it is living under the shadow of Dead Space and it needs to do an awful lot more to emerge as its own thing. Um, that being said, the developers want to continue working on this franchise. This is not going to be a one game and done. It's got a season pass. They want to do more within this universe. And I want to see where it goes. I want to give them that support, but I'm just a little bit disappointed overall with Callisto Protocol. But I also blame myself because it was one of my most hyped games of the year. So uh, I'm going to stick with it for now. And uh, we'll see again where that game goes next year. Now, I'm not done complaining yet either. There was uh, a TV show uh, that uh, I was pretty excited for. I thought it was going to be a big year this year for the fantasy genre. You know, new Game of Thrones, new Lord of the Rings, new Willow show, The Wheel of Time. And you know what? They've all been terrible except for Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was the one that I bet on being the worst. Like, I didn't even think I'd go back to Game of Thrones after what happened a couple of years ago. And, uh, and and lo and behold, Game of Thrones remains this year's best fantasy TV show because Willow, the new Disney show, which is a continuation of the film that released, you know, it's one of George Lucas's properties and they've they've absolutely squandered it. They've ruined it. They've taken what seems to be a bunch of American teens right out of Hollywood and plonked them in a fantasy setting. As if they're, you know, the characters are walking around complaining that they're bored. It's like as if they had their mobile phones taken off them. That's how they behave, like spoiled brats. I'm like, you're supposed to be part of the royal family, this lineage of this world. Yet they don't behave that way at all. It, it's, ju it, it's just terrible writing. I like, I, I, most of the cast I'd not seen before, except for, I guess, some returning cast members. And even they are terrible. Warwick Davis, love him as Willow. Fantastic guy. Watch him in interviews. He was great with Ricky Gervais and extras, you know? He, he's, he is a talented dude. Yet in Willow, it feels like they have taken away any ounce of talent that any of these actors might have had going into this. Willow, Warwick Davis, delivers all of his lines in such a monotone delivery, you wouldn't think that the entire world was in jeopardy with the way that he delivers his lines. Terrible characters, terrible performances, terrible story, piss-poor setting. 
it is aggravating. It is so aggravating. It is so piss poor that it, it you you get in you well, listen to me lose my words. You want to keep watching to just see how terrible it can get. Like you want to watch it go off a cliff and then roll down and then explode and then watch an Acme weight land on top of it afterwards is how bad this show is going. I cannot recommend it at all unless you really want to watch a train wreck. Unless you really, really want to watch the last vestments of your childhood get completely squished. My god. My absolute god. Willow, for me, goes down as the worst fantasy show of the year. My god. And I didn't think it was possible after the Lord of the Rings this year. The Rings of Power. Ugh. There was one good show, though, this year, over the last month, that I've just recently started watching, that I didn't think I was even really that interested in. Uh, I I grew up watching the Addams Family movies. You know, I watched the cartoon. Uh, You know, nice and freaky. I love the gothicness. Didn't think I'd really care about the Wednesday character on her own outside of the Addams Family. To my surprise, I'm now five episodes in, I think, to an eight-episode season. It looks like they're going to make a season two as well, especially with the fact that Wednesday and Jenna Ortega are just appearing everywhere uh, at the moment. It seems to have taken off. I'm not I'm not aware of the critical responses to the show um, or, or really word of mouth. I don't really know anyone else that's watching it. But what I can tell you is that it has that family value... Harry Potter-ish vibe with the fantasy magical boarding school university the for the gifted outcasts of society so Wednesday being there I was like okay this this setting works I like the gothic vibe to it I like the whimsical magic to it some great acting the Adams family members themselves do also feature in it quite a bit as well and General Taker nailed it as Wednesday, and I have to say, Christina Ritchie uh, having a, a role in the show as well as former Wednesday actress, uh, I really, really liked it. I'm really endeared to it. It is, yeah, teen drama, but it's done in such a way, and I love the dry, gothic, dark humor. It's Tim Byrne. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've wanted to praise anything that you've done, but this Wednesday show, it's absolutely worth a watch. I do recommend it. I've not finished the show yet, but I think it's going to be one of those things that I finish uh, over the Christmas. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, this Wednesday show. Okay, well, that is it for my catch-up. So, we're going to go into the news. And I thought we were going to have a podcast where we didn't have to uh, talk about uh, the thing that we usually do at the beginning, and that is of those that have passed away. Now, very sadly, Kirstie Alley has passed away at the age of 71, probably best known for her work on Cheers, pretty much a legendary sitcom at this point. Uh, But more recently, she also appeared on Scream Queens opposite Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, most fans are going to recognize her, though, as Lieutenant Savick from Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan. Uh, although the Look Who's Talking films will also always be uh, a favorite of mine. So it's very sad 
uh, to to see and hear of uh, Kirsty Alley passing. Uh, a lot of people supported her, uh, championed her on and off screen, and uh, so yeah, very sad to hear of her passing. But uh, what a what a career she has left behind. Now, speaking of leaving careers behind as well, Henry Cavill just cannot seem to be out of the news lately, as it's now been confirmed that he is out as both Geralt and Superman, as James Gunn now confirms that the character, along with many others, will be recast for the next 10-year plan of films over at DC. Gunn had this to say, Peter and I have a DC slate ready to go, which we couldn't be more over the moon about. We'll be able to share more exciting information on our first projects at the beginning of the new year. Among those on the slate is Superman. In the initial stages, our story will be focusing on an earlier part of Superman's life, so the character will not be played by Henry Cavill. It won't, according to Gunn, be an origin story, though, and he did mention that he still wants to work with the actor going forward, just not as Superman. We've also been hearing the same about uh, Jason Momoa not reprising the role of Aquaman going forward. However, he may be playing Lobo in this new DC universe. Gunn has been working on the script, and the duo are now currently looking for a director. Henry Cavill had this to say. I will, after all, not be returning as Superman. After being told by the studio to announce my return back in October, prior to their hire, this news isn't the easiest, but that's life. The changing of the guard is something that happens. I respect that. James and Peter have a universe to build. I wish them all involved with the new universe the best of luck and the happiest of fortunes. Now, that is not the only Henry Cavill news this month, as it has now been announced that Henry Cavill will be leading a Warhammer 40,000 film and TV universe for Amazon Studios. Henry Cavill will both star and executive produce the Warhammer 40k franchise across all Amazon Studios productions, including film and television. Cavill had this to say, I've loved Warhammer since I was a boy, making this moment truly special for me. The opportunity to shepherd this cinematic universe from its inception is quite the honour and the responsibility, said Cavill. I couldn't be more grateful for all the hard work put in by Vertigo, Amazon Studios, and Games Workshop to make this happen. One step closer to making a nigh-on, lifelong dream come true. Now, for those that are fans of uh, Games Workshop, Warhammer, this has got to be pretty damn exciting. Not only is Henry Cavill like becoming the face of geek culture lately... Um, the fact that he is also passionate and is a lore keeper of this universe, I think fans can now rest easy knowing that it's not just going to be a half, you know, half done adaptation, that it's going to go through quality control. Um, I also think it's very exciting because even though I don't partake in the playing of the Warhammer miniatures, you know, I have quite a few friends that do. Uh, a lot of my friends have been managers of Games Workshop stores, including Andy. Um, now, it's not my forte at all, but in terms of the lore, in terms of the, the stories, the characters, the alien races from orcs, Eldars, uh, the Emperor, 
There's so much in there, going spanning stories over so many millions of planets that the scale of this this universe is unfathomable to me. Unfathomable. And the fact that like over the course of Games Workshop's history, there has never been a movie or a TV show of the caliber that maybe Games Workshop deserves for its story, its world, uh, is kind of incredible. Now, apparently, Games Workshop have tried in the past to get something off the ground. However, it's either budget restraints, you know, in terms of being able to CGI these giant epic battles, or the space marine armor, the look of the orcs. I guess, like, technologies had to evolve over time, looking at the likes of, like, the World of Warcraft movie, or the unmade Gears of War movie, or the Halo series, like, getting these things to progress to a point where they can be done feasibly with still, you know, a billion dollar budget. Though I just, I'm very excited for this. This is uh, one of the most exciting news stories for me. Even though I'm not that huge into Warhammer, I think the possibilities for storytelling here is incredible. And yet we have no idea where, where Amazon are going to start here, where they're going to start at all. Um, I, for one, know that Ian uh, has been very much enjoying the Horace Heresy stories of books. They seem to be quite popular, fairly famous, so maybe that's a good start. Alrighty. Now, it's not the only uh, adaptation going ahead at Amazon Studios, as they have now announced, uh, according to Variety, that Amazon Studios have officially ordered a God of War series, a live-action television show based on the game franchise. Um, Rafi Judkins from The Wheel of Time has been set as the showrunner for the co-production between Amazon Studios and Sony Pictures Television in association with PlayStation Productions to produce this God of War show. From the reports that have come out so far, the series will be following the modern God of War games featuring the Norse mythology. So, a lot of video game stuff being uh, adapted lately. Um, we've got uh, uh, a, a lot of them to look forward to. Although, of course, when any of these go in, go ahead... A little bit of skepticism until we start seeing some some imagery. Uh, we don't know yet who they're going to be casting in the lead role for God of War. Uh, I just hope that uh, it lives up to the potential because God of War has been one of those games from for the PlayStation that uh, that sells consoles. You know, uh, I know when it finally released on PC, a whole new wave of people got to experience uh, these stories. So uh, I hope they do it well, and I hope we don't get another. Rings of Power. <laughs> so yeah, it's very light on the uh, on the news stories um, that this month. However, I do have some some quick fire news for you. Now, most of these quick fire news stories and trailers that we're going to get into, they're kind of really just getting excited, uh, or at least letting you guys know of some of the things to get excited for potentially next year in the world of films. Now, one of those is Evil Dead Rise. Now, a fair few images have been popping up online week by week, either Bruce Campbell tweeting behind-the-scenes photos out or official posters being unveiled. I'm very excited for Evil Dead Rise. It has a release date now of April 21st, 2023. Director Lee Cronin has said that it firmly fits the lineage of Evil Dead as a fifth entry 
into the franchise. Obviously, no Bruce Campbell on screen as Ash, but just like Evil Dead, he says, it straps you onto a rocket that's fueled by blood. He grinningly told them, you can either get off or you can stay on till it explodes. I want to watch a bloody blood-fueled rocket explode with deadites on board. Yes, give me more Evil Dead Rise. Now, the big twist, I guess, for this Evil Dead is that it's not going to be in a small country town. It's not going to be in a cabin in the woods. It's going to be in a sky rise, in a skyscraper, in an urban setting. This is kind of really the first time that Evil Dead's done this. So I'm expecting boomsticks, chainsaws, deadites, and decapitations. Oh, my. <laughs> April 21st, Evil Dead Rise. Next bit of news is that Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel has announced a release date of December 2023, with Gil Keenan writing and directing this time. Uh, Gil Keenan co-wrote Ghostbusters Afterlife, and Jason Reitman will be overseeing this sequel, um, and this new Ghostbusters film will be based in New York. The two of them have also heavily implied that the Spengler family would be the focal part of the film, with all the former cast members returning, except for, at the moment, the actual Ghostbusters. Uh, they've not confirmed whether any of them will be returning. However, I do think that we're probably going to see uh, Ernie Hudson um, back uh, as Winston, and uh, Dan Aykroyd back as, uh, as Ray. So uh, I only think it's Bill Murray who's probably not going to return. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Now, I really enjoyed Ghostbusters uh, Afterlife. I know some fans didn't like it, didn't like the treatment uh, of Egon. Uh, but I thought that they handled that really, really well. And I'm all up for this expanded uh, Ghostbusters universe. I think so long as Jason Reitman oversees it as well. Um, obviously, he recently lost his father this year after making Ghostbusters Afterlife, who, of course, the director, writer for the original movies. Um, I only hope that they it keeps its integrity and it doesn't, you know, does they, they don't mess it up. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Afterlife didn't mess it up. It honored what came before it, tried to bring in new audiences, honor the old fans as well. And I think they pulled it off more so than any other like uh, late reboot, soft reboot movie has done. The passing of the torch really just needs to be completed, I think, in this next film. Um, but we got a whole year to wait for that one. I'll be excited to see uh, the uh, the trailers and the news uh, that comes out with that one. And of course, it's a franchise that's near and dear to me. So throughout next year, I'll be keeping you guys updated on any news that comes out of the next Ghostbusters. Now... Back to Amazon. This is a, a story that I'm excited for. As you know, I'm a huge horror fan. And this is uh, The Deep. Amazon are making a series out of the underwater horror novel, The Deep, that also scared both Clive Barker and Stephen King. Clive Barker called the novel utterly terrifying, while Stephen King similarly raved that The Deep scared the hell out of him. Now... He said it's old school horror at its best. Now, it's set in the near future, 
The Deep centres on a research station at the bottom of the ocean, where a miraculous discovery signals a new hope for humanity, but secrets unearthed on the ocean floor may hold devastating consequences for the world above. Now, I, I'm a big fan of The Abyss, like James Cameron's The Abyss, so just, you know, anything that's set underwater, you know, at the ocean's you know, the depth of the ocean is automatically ticking the boxes of claustrophobic pressure, horror being crushed under the weight, yet alone when you've got Cthulhu-inspired Lovecraft monsters that uh, are going to break out of the deep, uh, whilst the human race is slowly dying on the surface because of some illness which is causing people to forget. Basically, like, mass hysteria. Everyone's forgetting how to do basic things, so... These scientists are at the bottom of the ocean trying to find the cure. They think they found it, then then all hell breaks loose. So this looks like it could be a pretty interesting sci-fi horror show. Excited to see where this one goes. Hopefully they, they do it well. Okay, now here's another remake that's going ahead. The Keep remake has now signed Greg Nicotero to oversee the project. The book by Paul uh, by F. Paul Wilson, was turned into a feature film just two years after being published in 1981. Wilson hated that film adaptation, and it was famous for studio interference, and of course, it bombed at the box office. So, could this be a case of a bad film being remade? Now, Greg Nicotero was a longtime fan of the book, The Keep, and, you know, for me, it's always great to see anyone from KMB Effects Group also directing a feature. And uh, now the basic story is that in, in Paul Wilson's The Keep, when an elite SS extermination squad is dispatched to solve a problem in a small castle in a remote Transylvanian Alp, the men find that something both powerful and terrifying, invisible, and silent. The enemy selects one victim per night, leaving the bloodless and mutilated corpses behind to terrify its future victims. So, yeah, it was a film directed, I think it was by Michael Mann, and it never got uh, Blu-ray treatment, 4K re-releases. You know, it uh, released on VHS and DVD and has pretty much been forgotten uh, by, by everyone. So, the original book's author, you know, teaming up with Greg Nicotero. This one could actually be pretty damn exciting. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with this one. Alrighty. Next bit of news for you is that Scream Six now has its release date of the of March tenth, twenty twenty three, with Melissa Barrera claiming that this Scream film is going to be a hundred times gorier than any Scream film that's come before it. This new movie will take the franchise into New York City for the very first time, with Jenna Ortega teasing an action-heavy and gore-heavy new installment. And this straight away got me thinking of Terrifier. Like, Terrifier and Terrifier 2 have kind of... I think going to influence anyone that's making a slasher movie going forward, especially with the low budget terrifiers, uh, terrifier being very low budget, yet making in millions and, and getting a reputation for being uber gory. And it's essentially a guy in a black and white clown outfit. 
you know, Ghostface isn't too dissimilar, really, except more meta and more verbal, you know. Uh, but it does make me think that the filmmakers are looking at the success of Terrifier, being within that same genre, and now wanting to take a stab <laughs> at making the final screen movie the goriest to date. So we'll kind of see there now from some of the interviews with the cast members, they said that they wanted to go gorier with Scream 5, but they tried to honor the, the, the film's legacy where, yes, the, the Scream films have been bloody, but never really gory. So will this Scream 6 stand on its own? Will it just be the fifth sequel that nobody cares for? Because a lot of the returning cast are now either dead or refusing to come back. I guess uh, we'll find out March 10th next year. <laughs> Back to sci-fi. The Sci-Fi Channel uh, are going to be releasing a new series in February 2023. It's only a few months away. And it is a space survival series from Dean Devlin. Now, right away when I hear the name Dean Devlin, my brain goes to Roland Emmerich and the Independence Day movies and all those huge blockbuster disaster films. I'm like, that's Dean Devlin and, and, and Emmerich, like Moonfall, right? <laughs> so I'm just like, right, trash. It's going to be trash. Yet it's a sci-fi channel. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe they got some money. Like, they've got Dean Devlin, like, I'm sure he's not cheap, really. I've seen the budgets his films work with. Uh, but this sci-fi series takes place 100 years in the future when planetary colonization missions have begun as a necessary thing to help secure the survival of the human race. The first of these missions on a spacecraft known as Ark-1 encounters a catastrophic event causing massive destruction and loss of life. With more than a year left before they reach their target planet, they're going to be dealing with life-sustaining supply losses, uh, the loss of leadership, the, the remaining crew members have got to become their best versions of themselves in order to stay on course and survive. Now, one of my favourite shows of the last three years has been For All Mankind, which is the Ronald D. Moore show, which I will yet again shout from the rafters as a sci-fi show to get behind. One of one of my favorite sci-fi shows right now. Now, this one here looks to be taking some of the aspects that I like about For All Mankind, which is a kind of realistic look at potential space disasters in a realistic way. I'm hoping this one's going to do that, but on a much bigger, grander D Dean Devlin scale. But knowing that it's on the sci-fi channel, I'm like, I hope the budget can give me what I want. Yet the first few images that have come out for the arc, because it's only out in two months, basically shows some dead space looking corridor sets with dead bodies scattered everywhere. So I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> Just from a couple of images. So uh, we'll, uh, I guess we'll find out next year if the arc on sci-fi is going to be uh, worth, worth the wait. Alrighty, here's another one that I'm a little bit skeptical of. This is, we finally got uh, the showcase reveal of Dead Island 2. And the showcase revealed new and returning features and new gameplay mechanics. And essentially it looks more like Dead Island, more of it. But, you know, it looks great. Like, new, new graphics engine, new lighting, new disemboweling, new guts and 
bits and pieces flying all over the place. I'm still just going to put this one on the let's see how it goes because Dead Island, as fun as it was, after a couple of hours, you soon realize that that's it. Like, this game is not going to live up to its opening video, and it's certainly not going to live up to its announcement trailer, which is still, for me, like, one of the best-looking uh, cinematic video game trailers of all time. Whether you watch it in forward or reverse, it still absolutely works either which way. Um, so, you know, Dead Island 2, it's got, it's going to be a co-op game. It's going to be a co-op looter-shooter sandbox in a zombie-infilled environment. If that's your thing, you're going to have a lot of fun with this. This game looks like it's got more character, more flair, and it looks like they've done all the things that I criticized about the last game, yet, without playing it, without being in that world, there's only so many zombies that you can cut up with a flaming katana before, you know, sadly, it does get old. But it's very sad, really, when you think about it. It should be fun forever. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hope Dead Island 2 works because I'm I'm not in a, in a rush to jump back into this one. Um, I kind of... I you guys know I love my zombie genre. I really, really do. But the af after after Dead Island, I kind of didn't even want to play the uh, the Dying Light games or, or any of the other parkour zombie survival games. It was like, like I've Dead Island out. So I don't know if I'm yet ready for a, a, an official Dead Island sequel. But um, it's got zombies in it, so I'm probably going to have a look anyway. <laughs> okay, well, that is it for the news this month. However, we do have a couple of trailers to go through. Now, I will also clarify and say that some of these trailers I have deliberately not watched because, well, as you know, I try not to watch trailers as much as possible. It's only really because of the podcast that I like to bring up trailers or talk about trailers, because it's what we do. Uh, although, some of those trailers, when it's a film that I know, or a filmmaker that I know, uh, and I don't need to see the trailer, just by, by knowing of its existence is enough. So I'm hoping, by just announcing some of these trailers, we can acknowledge their existence and some more films to get excited for in 2023. Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan as the director. That is usually enough for most film audiences to go, it's a new Christopher Nolan movie? I'm in, right? <laughs> Oppenheimer is going to be a historical drama about the creation of the atomic bomb and the physicist, J. Robert Oppenheimer, who devised it. Now, because this is a Christopher Nolan movie... It looks like it's going to have all of the trappings of, like, Interstellar, you know, in terms of the spectacle of the special effects. Now, it this film looks like it's going to be a special effects extravaganza to also heighten the drama of the should we, shouldn't we devise something so terrifyingly dangerous? Can mankind really exist afterwards? But uh, it looks like the special effects goes all the way down to the subatomic particle level as Nolan claims to be recreating an atomic bomb for this film. I've not watched the trailer. I don't want to see the trailer. But it's Nolan. There's going to be an atomic bomb. There's some good actors involved. 
uh, I, I can't wait to see this. And this one's going to be coming out in July of 2023. And I also believe it's coming out at exactly the same day or the same launch window as Barbie Girl. Or just Barbie, as it's being called. Margot Robbie from... Uh, Margot Robbie is going to be playing Barbie. And this trailer, I had to, I had to watch this trailer. I had to see this trailer to believe that it was real. That it's actually happening. Like, I know we had the Emoji movie, and we've had all kinds of, like, Angry Birds movie. Like, all these things that you just don't think should be a movie. Like, we had battleships, right? Like, how many other toys can be turned into movies? Well, now Barbie is getting her own movie. Now, I have to say, even if you are not interested, like me, in watching Barbie, right? Watch this trailer. It is done in the style of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it is so bizarre. It is an acid trip into an, another filmmaker's idea of this world. Like, Barbie doesn't exist in our world. She exists in, like, like you know, like the Lego movie? Like the Lego world? Like, we're going into Plastic Fantastic here. Like, I, I can't believe it. I, I, like, when the trailer finished, I was just like... <laughs> this is going to do this is going to do amazingly well it can go it's probably going to do better than christopher nolan's you know Oppenheimer, just because of the the bombastic visualness of it it's just so alive and fake that it just you, you be curious to find your reactions reactions to the barbie trailer in the comments below please <laughs> now this is another film that's coming out that uh, I only just got made aware of it. And, and it's a film, which trailer, which I've decided I'm not watching because let, let, let's see if this works for you guys as well. It's called 65. I think the film's called 65. Adam Driver, 65 million years ago, produced by Sam Raimi, got dinosaurs in it. Do you need to see more? Do you want to spoil anything with a trailer? No. No, sir. <laughs> Adam Driver and Dinosaurs, produced by Sam Raimi. This is coming out in March 2023, so not long to go for this one. Very excited for this one. I've, I, I, I'd be more excited if Sam Raimi was directing this one, but I'm still just excited to see a dinosaur movie that's not freaking Jurassic Park right now, because... <laughs> Jurassic Park really dropped the ball for me uh, this last, these last two movies especially. So yeah, I'm glad to see that we're going to see a big budget dinosaur movie. Again, I've not seen the trailer, but the poster itself has dinosaurs in it. So um, hopefully it's not a case of false advertising and he only gets trapped, I'm guessing trapped back in time for, you know, 10 minutes of the movie. Well, we'll I guess we'll have to see. <laughs> Next bit of film news. Cocaine Bear. Wow. <laughs> what? Can you believe this? The trailer for this from Elizabeth Banks. It's a comedy thriller. And they are basing Cocaine Bear off a real incident where a drug runner in the 1980s dropped a huge stash of cocaine in a national forest in North Georgia, which was then found by a black bear who gobbled it all up and so as a springboard, this movie tells an imagined story of what might have happened in the following 24 hours of this cocaine bear 
Like, mind blown. Watch the trailer. See it for yourselves. This one, it's 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 probably going to be an amazingly terrible movie that we're going to talk about for years. I hope. I can't wait to see this one. Very excited. Now, here's another one to get excited for. Uh, especially if you're a fan of Doug Bradley. As we know, we had a new Hellraiser movie in this year, 2022. Wasn't the wasn't the best Hellraiser movie. It was better than probably most of them. But it wasn't Doug Bradley in the role of Pinhead. So, we have Thorns. A new movie that is at least co-starring or featuring Doug Bradley, who is also narrating the trailer. The moment the trailer starts and you hear Doug Bradley's voice... You're kind of like, it's it's been a minute since I've heard your voice take me away. And this looks like a quasi-sequel to Hellraiser, complete with Cenobites, disturbing religious iconography, and an impending apocalypse, monsters and nuns running away screaming, and Doug Bradley dressed in, in religious attire going, <laughs> essentially. This looks like fun. It also looks like it's very, very low budget. But, uh, hey, it's a horror movie with Doug Bradley, with Cenobite-looking creatures. I want to see this. Uh, so it's definitely one I think horror fans uh, should keep an eye out for. That film is called Thorns. There is a trailer available for it now. I'm not sure uh, this one has a release date just yet, uh, but it's definitely one to uh, to keep an eye out for. Now, got one last trailer to talk about, and I'm not sure yet how I feel about this one. We had a new Indiana Jones trailer, The Dial of Destiny. This film will be releasing June 30th in 2023. Now, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was one of those uh, films that is still, still being torn apart by film fans and critics, disowned by Indiana Jones fans, you know, completely destroyed what was uh, a beautiful trilogy of films. Harrison Ford nailed this character across those movies. Great supporting characters. Wonderful, wonderful theme tune. You know, it was made with such passion uh, and in such a way that it's been so endearing. One, a timeless classic, the Indiana Jones trilogy. And then the Crystal Skull kind of just shit on it. <laughs> like, it introduced aliens into this world. It had um, Shia LaBeouf stealing the limelight from an aging Harrison Ford. Uh, it was not liked. And of course, the famous nuke. Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones getting into a nu into a fridge and surviving a nuclear blast. Just, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the state of believability of this franchise just gone entirely. And so I am kind of, with this trailer, with this trailer for Indiana Jones, I, I'm honestly optimistic, despite hearing the horror stories about real, real bad, like, uh, test screenings. Like, the test screenings have apparently been so bad, this film has multiple endings, and no test audiences have signed off on any of them. They've all been bad, apparently. So whether they're yet reshooting yet another ending or they've decided on one at this point, I don't know. We know that the film is due out very soon, a couple of months into the new year. 
it looks like a time travel movie or it looks like a film that's going to have a narrative running through different timelines because we're seeing in this trailer a very much de-aged Harrison Ford and I will have to say the special effects, the CGI on the de-aging of Harrison Ford in the trailer itself looks amazing. I was honestly a little bit surprised. I was like, I was a bit taken aback because I wasn't expecting to see so much young Indiana Jones. And I'm, I don't know whether it's going to be the state of things to come. I think so in Hollywood, especially with Disney uh, that want to de-age or, you know, actors that have passed away. They will still be appearing in films like, will we get to an Indiana Jones 23 and Harrison Ford is still being puppeted by by computer animations? I don't know, but uh, the story looks good. Indiana Jones battling Nazis. That kind of goes hand in hand for me. Those are his best stories. Uh, I, I'm excited for the cast of the new D film. I'm curious about the story. I love watching Harrison Ford. I want this to be good. I've, I'm setting my expectations high when I sh when everything is coming out saying that this looks bad. I don't know. I want some escapism. I want, a, I want a story that has some action that's kind of believable. I want to root for this hero. And the, the thing that clinched it for me in the trailer was the throwback to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where the guy, you know, has uh, is pulling out and doing all these fancy moves with a sword. And Indy just pulls the gun and shoots him. Love it. They do a throwback to that in this new indie trailer, and it got a laugh out of me straight away. I was like, "That's that's cool, okay? I I like this," and uh, so I don't know. Optimistic, I guess. Uh, I guess I'm setting myself up for disappointment, <laughs> but at least it's good to be excited, right? I'm not completely jaded yet that I'm just gonna write everything else off. Like, I guess a lot of film fans, or film critics rather, have been doing with Avatar 2 lately. Hand on heart, I have not yet seen Avatar 2. I saw the initial trailer. I've only seen a few comments from those that have seen it. And uh, from the looks of things, filmmakers like Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro was saying that this is the spectacle of the year. The film to see on the big screen. And that gets me excited when Del Toro is talking about Avatar 2 being the spectacle of the year. I'm like, oh, I need to go see this in 3D right now. And then hearing like a film critic that I've adored since I can remember, Mark Commode. Mark Commode introduced me to, to Peter Jackson into, you know, some extreme Asian cinema. Mark Commode has introduced me to so many cult movies that I owe him part of my love for the genre so listening to mark commode rant on radio for nearly 20 minutes about how awful avatar 2 is i kind of got a little bit a little bit upset i mean he didn't just rant mark commode didn't just rant about avatar 2 he even put on cartoony voices whilst he was reviewing it and from like mark commode is a straight-laced guy right he does not go into theatrics when he's discussing movies so to see him get so animated i was like either either he had so much fun or he's having fun you know recounting this experience that he had with avatar 2 or he really fucking hates avatar 2 so 
I'm still excited to see it. I still want to see it. Like uh, some some uh, some some feedback uh, from from those on on our Discord server have been enjoying it. The spectacle. James Cameron ri- literally does you know military porn. You know uh, against nature. Uh, I like that contrast. That Fern Gully Pocahontas kind of thing. I'm, I I want. I just hope that it's not. A straight, you know, remake of Avatar 1. Uh, I do hope that there's some character depth, some, you know, some more story there. But at the same time, I'm also there for the technical marvel of what Cameron's put on screen. Uh, I think from the trailer alone, it looks stunning in terms of its visuals are beautiful. The music... I just hope that the stories and characters are there. Of course, I've not seen it yet. I'm hoping to be able to give uh, a review for this one now uh, in the new year in Podcast 52. So uh, it's probably the one film that I've I've looked at booking tickets for it from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And at the moment, almost every other screening has sold out or most of the good seats are gone or that it was too crowded for me to want to spend that much time surrounded by other people in uh in a in, in a theater experience so uh, i'm delaying seeing that one now until the new year and also from me that will be me now signing off for the year that is the end of the uh the news and the trailers this year so i just want to say a massive thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening to this solo podcast um I hope I didn't ramble on too long or for too much. I know uh, the podcast usually thrives on the discourse, on the conversation uh, between uh, me and my co-hosts. So it has been a pleasure to uh, be able to come on and catch up with everyone and recap what I've been watching and playing and at least stay up to date with the film news. So with that, I just want to wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas failing that have a happy holiday and failing that stay warm stay safe spend it with uh, with good company and uh, and uh, look after yourselves and hopefully we will see you in the new year of course new film review going up tomorrow as of this live recording anyway the final review of the year will be going up this Thursday the 22nd and uh, we'll be back with a new film review in January, the first Thursday of January. So until then, take care of yourselves, enjoy the movies, enjoy the games, enjoy the TV shows, take care of yourselves, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.